Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. I am your host, Chris. And uh, just before I go on my holidays, we're back with a full set, a full trio, if you will. So, uh, introducing from left to right, honestly. Uh, first of all, it is Mr. Jeremy Smith. Hello, Jez. Hello. And Mr. Rich Allen. Hello, Rich. Hello. And Miss Bill. Hi, Phil. You're putting me on the right. I am already annoyed. Hello, everybody. It's all a myth, listeners, I promise. You can do a Pepe and cut in on your left. Oh, clever. See what you've done there. Oh, don't, don't talk to me about Pepe, because I'll have to go on a rant about our idiotic fan base saying that he's overrated, <laughs> and I don't want to go there. So let's just uh, quickly pass that. Uh, right, we've got lots to cover this week, so uh, we're going to jump straight in. We've got results from last week. We're going to have a little discussion on the European groups, uh, a little chat about the transfer window, and then a little look ahead to the France games that are coming up in the week, or well, week 10 days that's going to follow us or follow this podcast. So let's take you all the way back to last week. Um, you know the result, or you may know the results from last week, but we're just going to quickly bring you up to speed whilst we're recording Last week's podcast, uh, we did cover that Montpellier beat OL uh, 1-0. So good to cover that one. Uh, after we had ceased recording, there were two games on the Wednesday. Lille impressing the 3-0 victory over St Etienne. Um, help me out here, gentlemen. The pronunciation of the Lille striker who really impressed me. Ossimen. Ossimen. That was, that was kind of where I was going to go, but I didn't want to... Yeah, that's that. two braces in three games. That's, um, yeah, yeah Pepe who? <laughs> yeah, he, he, looks, he looks a talent. Nigerian, 20 years of age, born in Lagos, of course. Um, born in 1998. That's sick. Oh, Jesus. Um, um, and Bamba with the other one, which was a penalty, which looked a little harsh on Debushi, but we also got to see the lovely smile of um, Kabaye back in the gang. So that was yes. nice. Yeah, it's a nice little bromance back together there. So, yeah, good result that for, for Lille 3-0 victory. Horse in Etienne. Uh, nice also then played at home on the Wednesday game and managed to watch this game. Um, largely strange affair. It went in patches, but Marseille actually, not only did they score a goal, they scored two of them and actually won a game as well. Uh, Benedetto scored the opener. Well, Will and Cyprian got a penalty for Nice to level it up. And then Dimitri Payet, remember him? Uh, he scored the winning penalty to get the result for OM. So good result that. And I think that was his first. I think that was his first goal since November last year. Good times, good times, and it had to be from the spot, didn't it? But uh, yes, good result that for OM. Heading into the weekend's results, then on the Friday, close your ears, Jez. Uh, Mets nil, PSG two. Uh, super super moting, scoring uh, for going off injured, adding to an Angel Di Maria penalty. Um, interesting, if you haven't seen this, um, sort of vague attempts of Mets to try and put off Di Maria by throwing another ball on as the penalty was struck. I don't know if anybody noticed that, but um, strange one that. But it didn't make any difference. Di Maria scored regardless. And uh, as I said, Chukamotin going off with injury, which led to PSG being active in the transfer window, which we'll come on to in a moment. Uh, then on to the Saturday games. We saw OL and Bordeaux drawing 1-1, Marcus Depay putting the home side in front for Thiago Mendes saw red for his second bookable offence. And Jimmy Briand with the equaliser for Bordeaux in that one. Didn't have the away side picking up anything from that game personally, so I think they'll take that, particularly uh, given the circumstances of us of uh, OL being down to 10 men. It's worth looking up Bordeaux's goal just to see the, um, the Lopez save 
that unfortunately for Lyon, Lyon sort of slotted in the rebound, but the save before it was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good show actually. Yeah, it's one of those that almost deserve more luck-wise rather than having the, the rebound put away. But nevertheless, uh, a point for Bordeaux away from home. They'll probably take that. So um, one team that won't take a result particularly well, and I did just want to have a, a quick word on, would be Dijon. Uh, I lost again to Angers, uh, Gondor and Goal, and uh, Milali with the with the um, uh, second goal with, with 20 minutes to so to play. Um, who should I pick on? Rich, I'll pick on you on this one. Dijon... Um, oh, I don't, I don't want to sort of like kind of put the, the, the cart before the horse here. It is still early, but played four, lost four, minus six goal difference, um, naught points. Slightly concerned that, that they're going to make a, a rather rapid decline in, into league. They don't look like a side who can score goals nor keep them out at the moment. Uh, yeah, I think I think a rapid fall to, to, to league Deux is, is very much on the cards. Um, they obviously had a horrible season last season, stayed up by the, the skin of their teeth. Um, you know, a poor side last season has only got worse over the summer. I don't know where the goals come from. Um, the defence doesn't seem good enough to, to to keep them out at the back. So, yeah, it's it's it, it's a team that are that are very much going to struggle. I think from now until their impending relegation. I fear. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, on the upside, though, Toulouse, they got another victory with a 2-0 victory over, a 2 win, I should say, over Omia at home. Makengo and Loris with the second, two goals in 10 minutes in that one, outside of half-time. So they're both great goals as well. Yes, they were, yeah, particularly like the first one, um, just, just me being biased. But um, and just on Toulouse as well, I'm really, I know this is slightly off topic, but it's an ex, uh, it's an ex Ligue 1 player. Really pleased to see how well Christophe Julien is doing at Celtic. Um, played really, really well in the old fun derby at the weekend, so I'm quite pleased to see him doing well. Just a, a quick aside, but he's a player I quite, quite like, so well done to him. Uh, not with a 1-0 victory over Montpellier, sorry Phil, um, late yes. goal in that one. Um, overall, just from your perspective on Montpellier, mixed start to the season, one yeah. win, two draws, two defeats, concerned or not really? I think it's it seems kind of par for the course because that has been some movement. There were um, fans at the end of the transfer window just, just yelling, please announce a striker. Um, and, you know, they had that great result against Lyon and had, you know, uh, was it two of the defence are in the, the, the keeps team of the week. And then they just, they have been labouring a bit and not converting. And that's the worrying thing because they've looked okay and yet they're not getting the result that they might think they deserve in terms of the effort they're putting in. So I'm a little concerned, but it's it seems kind of par for the course yeah, at the moment. Yeah. Again, we know we're four games in. It's it's, it's early yeah. days. But Look, if some of these, if some of the youngsters who seem to be uh, a little bit more involved this year get involved, if everybody else knuckles down, they'll be fine. But they it doesn't look like there's going to be kind of the potential of Europe like there was last year. You know, no. hopefully they'll surprise me, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We will of course keep an, 
keep abreast of the situation there. Um, speaking of Brest, they lost 3 0 to Nîmes uh, on Saturday evening for Vals and Denke with the third for Nîmes. Just, just quickly on those two sides, anything to worry about for either or? Brest, of course, being newly promoted, Nîmes. Um, they have definitely the best kit in the Anderson line. I love yeah. those, those. And lost 11 of last year's starting yeah. 11 <laughs> over the <laughs> summer, basically, with the uh, uh, the most recent... Um, Complete refresh almost, isn't it? Yeah, most I, I, recent I, move. So it's good to see Nîmes, albeit they are um, Montpellier's local rivals, good to see them having, after two losses in the first two games, to pick themselves up a bit. So Yeah. yeah. Well, what's your what's your thoughts on those two, Jez? I mean, in terms of sort of the season as a whole, do you have any concerns for either or? Do you think Brest have got enough to to keep this running going? And and Nîmes, do, do you see them being safe this year? I think for for Nîmes, it just depends on on how well and how quickly they they adapt to to what is a very new team. I think they've made some really good signings. I think. Uh, for me, genuinely, Zinedine Ferhat is the best mm-hmm. signing of that anyone in the whole of Liga has made, especially free transfer. I think he's a fantastic player. He led Ligue 2 for assists the last two seasons. Um, I was mess were linked with him, and I was really excited about that. I'm a bit annoyed they didn't get him, but he's he's brilliant, and I think. Um, just him alone could make the difference between him staying up and or, or not. But even aside from that, they've brought in some, you know, good, experienced players with good league experience, like Lucas Thor, obviously, from from Gagan, Filippo, Martinez. So I think they, I don't think they're going to do as well as last year, um, but I still expect them to to be relatively comfortable. I think. Um, They've, they're blooding a couple of, of good youngsters like Denke, who started the season really well. So um, I think they may well be as entertaining, and I think they'll probably be all right. For Brest, I guess the aim is just to, to stay up, but there as well, some, some really interesting signings. Romain Perrault, who was best left back in Nigdo last year, um, I think he's superb. Um, Players like Jean-Kevin Duverne from, from Lens, who's, again, like a, a bit of a stalwart. Alexandre Mendy, who's not uh, kind of prolific, but I think a, a decent a decent striker, good good uh, sort of hold-up play. And then there's a few sort of gambles there, like um, Irving Cardona, who, who was going to be the next big thing at Monaco and never quite made it. Um, Grand Seer, who was... Going to be the next big thing at Monaco, never quite made it. Um, so I think it, you know some of them. It just depends how they go. Even players in Paul Lan as well, who obviously Phil will know a lot about. Yep. I think um, really, That's you know, one of those classic unheralded league and players. So I think they're quite well set to to have a decent season as well. But probably both teams, the the aim is just to stay up. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It's a bit of a cliche, I know, but any any newly promoted team, unless you're a, a team that has fallen from grace, uh, just off the top of my head, thinking like a team, I don't know, like a Hamburg in Germany, for example, that has a, a large following and just happens to get relegated. If you're a, a fairly new team, the, the goal is pretty much get up, stay up. That's kind of the the, um, the raison d'etre, if you will, for, for those teams. So hopefully 
we will uh, we'll see. I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, but I always like to see three new teams stick around as well. I always kind of mm. like to see that refreshment of uh, of the leagues. It doesn't always happen that way, but um, yeah. I mean, it, it it messes up doing long term league comparison stats. But you know, it is nice. Other than that, yeah, yeah. <clears throughs> um, speaking of teams that are uh, in transition, if you will, that would include Lille. Uh, they went down to a two another feet away to Ra. Uh, Dumbia and uh, Udan with a very late, late goal to secure the points after uh, Yusuf Yaziki, I think that's how you pronounce it, Yaziki, was sent off for Lille for two bookable offences. Uh, I do just want to quickly touch on, on Lille as well, Rich, I'll pick on you on, on this one. I heard, um, forgive me, I don't know who the, I, I, I think it was, um, who's the stats dude on, on one of the podcasts, Jonathan... Wilson? Jonathan, I think it was him where he basically said, I think the quote was, well, the Champions League group, which we'll come on to in a minute, well, Lille are rubbish. So, because um, they stole. Oh, I heard that, yeah. It was just, for me, it was such a lazy, I don't watch any French football type of conversation. What do you make of them, Rich? I mean, I know, uh, yes, part of that, that sort of statement is somewhat true. They have dispatched a few first teamers, but are Lille as bad as everyone seems to think now, given the fact that they are rebuilding? It's going to take time. No, not not at all, to be perfectly honest. I mean, you look at the team that they put out against Rance at the weekend and they had, I think, six new start, uh, new signings starting. Um, it's going to take, it's going to take time, you know, but it, they, they are a, you know, a, a good bunch of, of, of players that they have signed. There's a nice variety there between you know, young and exciting players uh, there's some experienced players that have been brought in. And then there's players who, you know, I'm, I'm thinking primarily here on Renato Sanchez, who were expected to be fantastic and then have stalled. But here is a great chance to resur- resurrect their careers. And how many players can we say have, have used Liga as a, as a great place to, to resurrect their careers? It's, it's, it seems the perfect league for that. So it will take time, but there's still plenty of talent in that team. Um, it will take um, a, a few weeks for all those players to settle. Um, but unlike perhaps two seasons ago when Lille had that disastrous season where they had a, a, a huge influx of players in the summer, these players um, have been bought for a specific pers- uh, purpose. Um, and, and the team certainly, I think, will very quickly gel. Um, and I think, you know... Result. I mean, it was not. It wasn't a good performance against Rouse at the weekend. They looked pretty, pretty meek, pretty weak. Um, but that, you know, that that will soon become just a one-off. Now they're not. They're obviously not going to hit the same stride as last season. Um, but you know, I think we can still expect them to have a, another strong campaign this season. So I think to write them off as well, they sold Pepe, they sold Mendes, they sold. You know all the key players from last season. Well, you know I think you're doing um, the players that they brought in, and, and Louis Campos, who is clearly a man that knows what he's doing, a great disservice. And as you say, it's just another in a long line of of uh, examples of of la- that la- that lazy journalism. So we could have a whole podcast on that. So we will move on. But yeah, I think I think, think Leo Jonathan Wilson because he's usually. I'm sure it may not have been. It was definitely somebody who does, you know, the whole sort of statistical side of things. And I'm sure it was. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Was it? I think this was Guardian Weekly. Yeah, it was either Guardian or 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 um, uh, what's the other one? Or Tony Football. I'm pretty sure it was Guardian. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, Sorry, I interrupted. No, 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 not at all, not at all. And and I, I, yeah, it just it just annoys me a bit. It annoys me a lot, actually. It annoys me probably more than than it should, in truth. But um, yeah, I think it, I'm just looking at. I'm sure it, I think it was Jonathan Wilson. Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> Can we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Uh, hi, Jonathan, if you're listening, I'm sure you're not. But uh, yeah, um, your opinions are also... A rubbish podcast, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> move on. Um, right, let's go on to... I meant game. ours. Oh, ours. No, no. <laughs> we have far more highbrow. You know this, Jess. Uh, speaking of highbrow, Ren. Um, sorry, Rich. Uh, lost to Nice, unfortunately, um, for you. Anyway, a last-minute goal from Cully. I did like the celebration, actually, where he sort of ran off and... There was a Vieira hug and, and, and there was a, a big sort of shamash, um, which is yeah. quite... My, my notes for that match just say violence. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Um, and uh, and an own goal from Loris uh, to open scoring and a penalty from Cyprien, um, which we said earlier on. So he seems to be... He's certainly getting his groove back in from the spot, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't see this coming, but Rich, you, you definitely did, as you said, three parts. So... Um, well, I'm, yeah, I'm a I'm a Ren fan, so I'm sort of pre-programmed with pessimism. <laughs> yeah, speaking as a, a Arsenal fan, I know the feeling, mate, on that one. Um, just... My heart bleeds for both of you. <laughs> <laughs> you get back in your box, mate. Just uh, just quickly on on Project Nice, uh, we had a question, didn't we? Just um, which was or a a, a statement? Um, I believe this was was it treated in from Connor? Did you say pre-pod? Um, Connor was asking about the transfer market, so maybe later. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So we'll come on to that. But we'll, we'll quickly mention, um, we'll, we'll just quickly mention the Nice project. Uh, I will give this one to you, Jez. The, the signings that have come in, we are going to cover that in a bit more depth in a minute. But just in general, Project Nice, are you sort of on board with the, with the idea of, of how things are going in that respect? Yeah, very much so. Apart from who the owner is, obviously. Um, I think the I think they've got a fantastic manager. I think that I I thought that Ganogo didn't do anything wrong while he was president, but obviously Fournier and Rivier did an excellent job when they were there previously. So um, certainly no harm in in bringing them back. Um, and I think the the signings that they've brought in, sort of in the in the last week of the the transfer window, have generally been excellent. Um, there's a couple that I'm not 100% sure about, but other people disagree. So, um, you know, it could go either, either way. But I think they're, they're exciting signings. The signings sort of are well, not in goal, but, um, you know, all the way through defence, midfield and attack, unlike certain rivals of theirs who, who, whose signings have been very unbalanced. And, yeah, I, I really think that, that they could have a good season. And last year, Vieira showed what a good coach he was when he had absolutely no attack to work with. I think it's going to be really exciting to see what he does this year with a with with like I said a balanced squad and um, uh, who who who's he brought in that, that you think will be a difference maker? Uh I think well Dolberg is a goal scorer who's got a lot to prove. Alexis Claude Maurice I think is really exciting, definitely a difference maker. Oh, Unas yeah. Sorry, it I said don't mention him. It hurts. <laughs> um, Unas is the one that I'm not convinced about. But if it does work out, then he certainly is going to be a difference maker. 
Um, Budawi, I think, looks a good. He's a defensive mm-hmm. midfielder, but looks a very good player as well. So, and obviously in Soki as well to to shore up the defence. And um, actually, the the Ren win the other day was actually a really threadbare defence. So it was all the you know all the more credit to to Nice for getting that result. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think sort of quite exciting signings and and good prospects for them this year. I want to quickly mention um, Alexis Cormoros actually because I, I, as, as much as it, it hurts to lose yet another talented young Lorient player to another team, um, I'm actually quite pleased that he's gone to Nice because there was there was a lot of talk in the summer that that he, from what I was led to believe, he got quite far down the line in, in talks with Arsenal and with with Wolfsburg. I think it was no, it wasn't. It was uh, Gladbach. Sorry. Um, for whatever reason, those those uh, moves didn't turn out. I, I do think it's quite important that some young French talent stays in the league until they're actually <laughs> ready to move on. I think that's something that's worth mentioning. Um, I, I think when you get to the level that, for example, Nicolas Pepe did, I think, fine, yeah, you, know, you can't turn down that offer. But at the age that um, Claude Maurice is and, and talents such as those, I do think it's it's good to see some of those players sticking around in, in Liga. Do we all kind of agree on that that sentiment? Absolutely, yeah. and uh, you know he's he's twenty one, so the natural step up is do it in the top flight in France. He's joined, as Jez was saying, a, a really exciting cliche alert project, um, and and an opportunity to show that he can do it at the, at the sort of highest level domestically, and then yeah, and then maybe in sort of two three years time, maybe a move to a bigger team comes along but of course in two three years time Nice might be, might be that bigger team yeah. um, the, the rate that they're signing players and I think what I've really liked about the signings that have been made is that they're all at that age which bring me back to the glory days of the Monaco project yeah. of, of, of searching around not only Europe but also domestically to find excellent young talent that can be bought in for a for a you know dom- what domestically is a good price um, but you know, really, is a is a sort of drop in the ocean, um, with a view then that you know maybe this is something that can build, and maybe perhaps unlike the Monaco project where it was a you know sort of constantly moving cycle of bringing players in, selling them off, but then having to rebuild from scratch. Maybe unless there's some Brexit issues or you know a hefty divorce on the horizon, many that maybe the money stays in the club. And they can actually build it and, you know, turn this into something that, that becomes really, really significant. So mm. it's, uh, it's a really good start. And, you know, I am quite, uh, in, in one way, quite jealous of the Nice fans because it's, uh, it's certainly something that looks really, really exciting from the outside. Yeah, for every, um, for every sort of Clement Longlo, there's a Nyanyon uh, who's come back from Sevilla. Well, he made the, he, he's come come back to a better team. That's what he's Naturally. done. So, I, was, I, was, I was kind of queuing you up for that. So nice, <laughs> thanks for But yes, yeah, I think it's it's better to say Nice project is exciting. Um, a project that certainly is is a bit wonky right now is uh, good old Monaco. Give them a mention. They drew with Strasbourg two two. Um, we'll touch on Strasbourg's exit from Europe in a little bit more depth in a minute. Uh, but they're um, they got a, a salvage two two draw. Kenny Lala uh, equalised his lunch. The Mani's opener. Also, the money himself put Monaco back in front. Uh, Thomas equalised with six minutes to go. Monaco's um, 
interesting start to the season. I'm going to use the word interesting. So, yeah, after the last week, they gave up a 2-0 lead at half-time to draw 2-2. This time, they gave up the lead twice, twice to draw 2-2. I mean, it's still not looking good. No. Uh, at the bottom there. I mean, you were mentioning Dijon's uh, goal difference earlier. Monaco's mm. is also that bad. Yes. Um, although they have now actually scored some goals, they've conceded 10 in four games. Yeah, good I mean, that's we'll, um, we'll probably touch on their business again in a little bit more depth in a moment. Um, just finishing off the weekend's action, uh, I use the word action loosely. Uh, Marseille beating St Etienne 1-0. I thought this might be a, a good watch. It, it wasn't really, if I'm completely honest. It wasn't terrible, but it, it really didn't live up to hype. The one thing I would say is the goal from Benedetto that won it was actually a really good goal. Really nice. And so he's now scored in two in a row, hasn't he? Because there was that horrible miss. Was it the first game? Against Nantes as well. So, right? I think it was his second game, but it was his debut. Right. Yeah. So and now he, he does seem to have, you know, two in two, in two games, got a little bit of he's eye in. He's a very good centre-forward. I've watched a lot of him at Boca Juniors. And um, if you haven't seen this, it's well worth looking up a goal that he scores in the Super Classico against River Plate, where he scores and pulls the most fantastic gurning face at the opponent as he wheels away in celebration. It's well worth looking that up if you haven't seen it before. He's, um, yeah, he, he's a very, very decent centre-forward. Um, I wouldn't say he's top, top level, but he's, he's the sort of guy that if he gets a run of games, I think he will get goals for them. Marseille, it's just whether they can get the supply to him. Which well, that's the thing. His his only issue is just the dross that's behind him. Yeah. And now Luis Gustavo is tearfully left for Galatasaray, is it? Yeah, Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce. So I know it's Falco who's gone to Galatasaray. Uh, Rangier is coming in now. <laughs> or yeah. possibly just sitting in a car park. Yeah, I, I do feel sorry for our, our, our friend uh, Mohamed Ali on Twitter. Every time anything happens to Marseille, he's just bombarded with people tweeting him. Hi, uh, Lana and, and, and Jonathan Johnson in particular. Fun, fun friends of doing that one. But yeah, Marseille, God bless them. But um, no, Roger is a done deal. He's definitely going. It has happened, is it? Okay. I, I saw that it was uh, one of the... Yeah. So they've, ta- they've taken a bit of a gamble by employing him as their, their joker signing. Um, and it also just smacks of sheer incompetence that they just obviously they were dealing with Valdemir Keita, which is not a, an easy thing or <laughs> overly pleasant thing to do. But it smacks of incompetence that this is a this is a this was a move that had been on the cards for weeks, if not months, and yet still couldn't get it over the line. And now they've had to use their their joker signing. To bring, him, to bring him in. And to be honest, I don't even think it's a player they particularly need. Um, yet they seem to have just been transfixed on bringing him and determined to bring him in. And considering they supposedly had no money and at the 11th hour have managed to stump up 15 million or something like that mm-hmm. for him is, you know, you have to think if you're Vias Boas, you're just thinking, what the bloody hell's going on? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's a, it's, it's, a player they didn't need to bring in and using their joker up does perhaps leave them a little exposed if anything unforeseen happens in the next few months. Yeah. For those who are listening, who listened to last week's show, of course, all of you, um, I have started a career mode with Marseille. I'll let you know how it goes. Um, but yes, let's move on swiftly from, from that. Uh, right. So that was the, the weekend that was, 
One thing we don't do very often on this pod, which I will just do quickly going into the international break, is just give you the table. Again, four games played is not a huge um, bearing on where things are, but um, this, this small club called Paris Saint-Germain are top. I don't know if anyone's heard of them, but uh, they're top. However, they're top with three other clubs, uh, Rennes and Nice. Very good start to the season from both. And uh, somewhat surprisingly, uh, the Jeffrey and Adelaide Les Angers are, uh, are also joint top, having won three of their first four games. Good luck to them. Uh, OL and Ram make up the top six, with Nantes, Marseille, Toulouse and Lille rounding out the top ten. Down at the bottom, Dijon, pointless. I love saying that because it always, it always makes me laugh when people say teams are pointless. It doesn't mean literally, it just means points as in what they've gained but they have got zero points from four games they are bottom Monaco second bottom with two points Omian are in the playoff spot with three points with Strasbourg same points on 17th with St Etienne not a great start for their season lost two on the bounce 16th with Mets Montpellier Nîmes Brest and Bordeaux reading up to 11th place so that's where we are in terms of Liga as we go into the first interlull uh, of the season, which um, we will come back to, but we want to just briefly touch on the, the transfer window um, and a, a little bit about the, um, the the European groups as well. So we'll, we'll start with the transfers. Um, where do we start? I suppose we have to start in Paris, don't we? Um, Jez, you found an interesting tweet um, from, I think it was today, earlier on, where I believe somebody was, was analysing the transfer windows and who'd won and lost. They put PSG down as one of the teams that were in the bin in terms of transfer window. Um, I, I must admit, I, I, I can't decide where I am on this. I think they've had a really good window in some respects and then I think they've made some baffling decisions in others. Kalon Navas has come in, um, as has Sergio Rico. Um, Alfonso Ariola has uh, been a bit of a scapegoat for me. I, I just don't get this. He's gone out to Real Madrid. And they've also signed Maro Icardi, which, yeah, given their injury crisis, I actually think that might be a really good bit of business if they can keep uh, him, or more, more importantly, uh, his, his lovely lady, happy, um, which might be the task of all of it. What, where, what's your feelings on this, Jeff? You, you were certainly not, not too plussed with this tweet in particular, saying that they had lost the window. Where, where do you stand on their, their business? And, and maybe we could touch on a certain Brazilian that they're going to be retaining for the time being. Yeah, I can see that you can argue the toss on a few positions in different ways, but um, I guess like starting at the back and working our way forwards. I think Ariola, I've made clear before, I think he's an excellent keeper. I think they've treated him like shit. But as um, John mentioned on a, on a show last night, that um, John Johnson, that is, he said that he's, he's always been a big fan of Ariola as well, but he said the most important thing is just to have some clarity and seeing as within the club they decided that well they decided that they couldn't decide whether Ariola was a number one or not having kind of made that decision it makes sense to get rid of him and bring in an undisputed number one um Navas has lost a bit of form he's on the wrong side of 30 he's also a very seasoned international with a couple of Champions League trophies or medals um, he knows what he's doing. So I disagree with getting rid of Ariola, but I still don't see um, bringing Navas in as a, a sort of a bad mark against their transfer window. I think it was quite a clever move. Uh, Rico and Bulka, I don't particularly care about either way. <laughs> I'm not. I don't understand why they brought them brought them both in, but anyway. Um, 
I think Navas is a good move, and I think they also did well to to make Ariola's move just alone. I mean, I can't believe that he would come back or that he'd want to come back, but if for whatever reason maybe Courtois gets injured and he has a worldy of a season at Real Madrid, then they've got that option. Mm. Well, um, I, I um, sorry, because uh, I asked, not watching a lot of La Liga, uh, you know, what is the best deal here, purely in goalkeeping terms, not in terms of, um, you know, the finances and going forward and everything. And um, uh, good friend Kevin Williams said that PSG got the best deal because Navas can stop time. And <laughs> Mohamed Butt said PSG getting the better deal because they will start Navas, whereas Ariola will play Copa del Rey and that's about it. And so well, that I does feel, feel like, yeah. Such I a think, he's been fighting this kind of bullshit for how many seasons now, and he's sent off again to be second fiddle somewhere. He is good it, enough to also, be first fiddle. He really. It's is. also that they they, you know, if they'd said at the start of the season you're still not going to be number at the start of the summer you're still oh. not going to be number one, then it gives him time to to move somewhere else. But to say at the start of the summer you will be the number one, and yeah. then three days before the transfer window ends say actually you're not going I, to be then it doesn't give him that much wiggle room to find somewhere else to go. So Mm. ending up at Real Madrid isn't the worst place in the Mm. world. But um, Deschamps, who I think very pointedly um, defended him a couple of times in press conferences this week, also said if he's not playing at all, then it is going to be problematic in terms of picking him. Yeah, and and that that for me was what stood out from this whole deal because... um, Taking my bias aside at club level, I, I don't think Hugo Lloris will be around for much longer as France's number one if the the, the younger crop comes through. Le Comte's obviously had a, a different... He had a, he had a great game on Sunday, though, didn't he? Did he? I, I didn't see that. I must have been doing something else. <laughs> um, but, yeah. <laughs> don't start me, Jess. Don't start me. But, um, yeah, if you look at his competition there at, at France level, Mondon, the... You know, it's Mandanda, but realistically, he's not the future. He's not even the present, really. Um, Lecomte has had a, a difficult start to his his time at, at Monaco. Ariola is is the logical one that you'd think surely is is next in line. And if he's not playing at Real Madrid, which uh, looking at Real Madrid's fans' responses, I think the the general consensus for them was, why have we got rid of our better goalkeeper when Courtois can barely catch a cold? And I personally agree with that. I think. Navas is a far better goalkeeper than, than Courtois is. And I think that that side of the deal, I can see why PSG have gone for Navas. I think he's a quality signing. But Ariola, like like you have all said, I just I just feel for the guy. You know, I just think he's... Could, could this, if Courtois is having a bit of yips, uh, just make Group A in the Champions League way more interesting mm. if it all comes down to goalkeeper performances <laughs> between those two? The problem I think they're going to have is, is although Ariola is French, I don't see Zidane dropping Courtois. That's the problem. Well, Zidane seems a pretty stubborn coach. He does, doesn't he? I've Just... seen a lot of Madrid fans complaining that he's still sort of reusing the same same old players, where yeah. then when they're whether they're um, when they've got a lot of exciting young players mm. that that could be playing. So yes, yeah, stubborn seems to be a a pretty common term to describe uh, Zidane's um, managerial methods. So I yeah. don't necessarily see Ariola breaking into the first team. It's it's a slight shame that he's gone from a club with some of the most precious spoilt fans in the world to probably one of the few other clubs that could rival them. 
um, in that in that regard. So oh, the amount God. of PSG fans who are still determined to paint Ariola as an unreliable keeper that continually makes mistakes makes me just think you've no idea what you're talking about but no. i will i will let them have their opinion because opinions are opinions but some people's are less relevant than others i believe yeah well speaking of opinions before we move on to another club i just want to quickly touch on the brazilian elephant one well, I, I want to go i just want to mention a couple of others as well yeah, yeah, first of all i think they've massively improved their midfield yeah. Um, obviously, Rabio's a loss, fine, but we knew that was going to happen. They've mm-hmm. brought in Gay Sarabia, who's kind of a midfielder, um, Herrera, yeah. and someone else I can't think of now. So, um, certainly strengthened the midfield a lot. In terms of the young players leaving, which has been, which this guy used in the article to say that it was a loss. To me, that's not a loss in terms of the transfer window. I mean, I completely disagree with the policy. But I don't think that's anything really to do with whether you can say that it's a good or a bad transfer window for PSG. It was the choice that they made. It wasn't like, um, you know, they they were outbid, they got poached or anything like that. They chose to offload these players. And the bottom line is that at the end of the transfer window, they've come out of it with a profit and a much strengthened midfield. Arguably, in their opinion, a stronger goalkeeper. They've brought in a world-class striker to... Okay, there might be issues in terms of ego and things, but the opportunity arose <laughs> to bring him in. It's on loan. Cavani is becoming more and more injury prone, and Icardi's goal scoring record is fantastic. So, on paper, I think that is a good signing as well. It remains to be seen, but I don't think you can automatically say, yeah, that proves this is a loss. And then for Neymar, I think a lot depends on what happens now, how everyone reacts to it, how the fans react to it, how he reacts to still being there. But the fact is, I think, I said before, I think PSG played it brilliantly. At no point did they say they want to get rid of him. So they haven't lost um, any credibility there. And the fact is they had a, a sort of, you know, an arm wrestle with two of the biggest clubs in the world and one of the biggest players in the world. And frankly, they won. Mm. Um, if they can get Neymar having a good season, they'll win even bigger next summer, I think. I think, and you know, there's, People saying, oh, well, you know, it's proof PSG have lost because this player's made a fool of them. And, um, you know, now they've just got someone there poisoning the changing room. I don't think that's true. Generally, unless they're sort of just towing a party line, Tuchel's happy to have him. The players are still happy to have him. If he'd gone to Barcelona for, say, I don't know, 150 million or something like that, can you imagine that how much stick PSG would be getting You've been played by fools. You bought this player uh, two years ago. He achieved absolutely nothing and you made a huge loss on him. I really think that PSG have come out of it better than anyone else. And again, it remains to be seen what Neymar does, whether he behaves in the next season. But for me, as things stand, they come out the winners on that as well. He's got a, he's got a choice, Neymar. Now, hasn't he? You know, it, it, do you want to be a professional footballer and get your head down and work hard or, or or not because if he really wants to now he's got the opportunity to really turn it on and, and prove a lot of people wrong um if he doesn't then you know he'll be sold and and he will not sort of take on that mantle of being the third best player in the world which obviously he wants to be and just on Icardi as well as a as an Inter Milan follower myself that that deal for me as Quite rightly, you're saying there about Cavani's injury record. I, I think that could be a stroke of genius. If 
they can get it right. Um, you know, I appreciate losing Pese is monumental blow, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I I genuinely think Icardi could could be a fantastic signing. He will score goals in the yard. That's a hundred percent assured. Mm. And I think at European level as well, um, he'll get goals in the Champions League, and that's that's the most important part. And I think Sarabia is another one that's gone under the radar. He's a really really good player, and and if they can get the best out of him alongside that more um, established midfield. Who knows? Who knows? I did just want to just mention about those young players that had left. In in the in the modern world that we live in with financial fair play, as Jess says, I don't necessarily agree with the policy, but in terms of having their hand forced by the, the regulations that are in play, you know, they've they've sold I think five of their sort of homegrown players and they've made the best part of sixty million euros from that. Mm. And Which, presumably, per sell on percentage. That well, exactly, yeah, easy. and and or first refusal on, you know, if they if if another bid comes in, then then there's this, you know, there's there's a lot of there is some sense to it. As I say, we would all love to see some of those young players, um, you know, come into that team and and be in and around that first team throughout the season. But ultimately, if they have to balance books, um then it, it's, it does make a degree of sense. You know, 60 million for players that arguably would be fringe squad players at best for some of them. They, they may turn out, some of them may turn out to be world-class players. Um, and PSG will just have to sort of like it and lump it. But they, they can, you can only really deal with financial fair play in the sort of here and now. And if you've got an opportunity to make 60 million euro profit off, off players who at present are not in that first team, then, you know, you'd, you'd almost be a bit mad to, to turn that down. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I sort of can see why PSG have done it. Mm-hmm. And then to, to add my sort of two pence, two cents on, on Neymar, I think what was the big, the big thing for, for Neymar now is, is there is a bit of pressure now, may even be a lot of pressure on him to, to show that he can be, that serious player, that respectful player that can, that can you know, take the team forward, lead the team, be that star player that he was supposed to be or he thought he was going to be when he first joined. What might be a big driver for that, of course, is, is fan reaction. Um, you know, we saw in the game, he was against Neem, was it, a couple of weeks ago? with all the banners, um, you know, sort of anti, anti-Neymar. Um, I think the way that this summer has gone um, and the way that he has conducted himself, he is going to have to do a heck of a lot, I think, to get them back on board. You know, one good performance will get some fans back on his side, but it certainly will not be getting the majority back on his side. They're, they're going to want to see him continuously performing at a high level, and into the business part of the season. So I would expect still a little bit of jip for him um, in, in the sort of first few months of his return to playing. So uh, I'm going to look forward to seeing how he reacts to that because that will tell a lot about his character and whether we've all we've done this summer is just put off the, the impending departure from PSG. Yeah. I just, can I just I mention one more thing about the, the young players as well? As usual, this is a, a sort of, 
thing that I keep coming back to that PSG seem to get a lot more stick than any other team. How many of the any of the other top European contenders are integrating any of their youth players into the teams? Because I can't think of any obvious ones at all. And at least PSG are producing a lot of them and selling them on. Certainly not teams that are doing it by choice. There are some teams that are being forced to do it, but certainly not by choice. You're right. No, you're right. I think the kind of slightly ironic thing about PSG seems to me is that with a lot of teams, you look at a forward line and go, ooh, but what if somebody gets injured? Mm. With PSG, your concern is what if they're all fit at the same time? <laughs> the Barcelona issue, isn't it? With Because, Jesus like... Christ, that's not going to be comfortable in the dressing room. Um, so think... that might test Tuchel's management a bit as well. Someone sent a fantastic tweet. Um, with sort of a kind of quoted commentary saying penalty for PSG, yeah, great news, like blah, blah, blah. and then there's the like Mexican standoff from yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I can actually see a, a system where they could get three of the four in. I'm really good. I, I, I don't think Mbappe is is bad as a, a wide forward. I mean, yes, obviously his future is through the middle, but I don't think his his threat is lessened anymore if you play him as a wide forward and then with Neymar on the opposite side and then it's a shootout between Cavani and, and Icardi I, I could see that working it's whether they've got enough the other way to prevent the issues they had last year defensively but I guess time will tell I do want to move on from PSG though just look at the best of the rest in a second but just before we go to the best of the rest um, I'm gonna pick on you on this one as well Rich uh, we did see a uh, as you quite rightly tweeted a, a Liga and legend leave um, that was mm. El Tigre. Um, Radamel Falcao has, has moved on to Galatasaray, where I think he was greeted by 30 or 1,000 at, at Istanbul Airport. Um, they he, were there for Andoni, I think. Oh, were they? Sorry, was that what it was? Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a, a genuine French superstar, or French League superstar Falcao, wasn't it? He, he, he really did light up Monaco for that period of time where he was there, and it, it's a shame to see him go. It is, you know, in a weird way, I actually felt quite sad to see him go. Um, he he was, for me, he's been the sort of original big money signing come in and then lived up to the expectations and actually not just lived off reputation, actually knuckled down, worked hard, um, you know, sort of dealt with the blows that came his way, be it injury, be it two unsuccessful loan spells to England. He came back, he got his fitness back, he was back finding the back of the net on a regular basis. Obviously a key part of that hugely successful Monaco team when they won the title and, and got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. Um, I, I, I sort of feel in a weird way that he, his, his impact um, has been overlooked slightly. Um, you know, he has been a consistent goal scorer. You know, he's captained the side. He's been a you know a, a player that a lot of people look up to. He's had to see. Um, I was I was tweeting Simon Scott, um, non fan and, and former FFW alumni, um, that that he was the guy, the sort of guy that you know we joke about the word project, but he he saw a project. He joined the project. He believed in the project. He saw the project succeed. He was a key part of that project being uh, successful. And then sadly saw the project disintegrate all around him. Um, I think he's been a fantastic servant to, to Monaco, fantastic servant to Ligue 1. Showed that you can be 
you know, a glamour player, but also incredibly well respected because you work hard, because you put in those performances, you gain that respect. It's, uh, yeah, I genuinely felt a, a, a sort of twang of sadness to see him go. But um, yeah, hugely influential, fantastic player and, and definitely one that will be missed. Yeah, time was was right. Uh, any other thoughts on Monaco window from from the from your other two um, in terms of you know they've obviously turned over a lot of players again. They brought in a lot they've of players. ruined two of Montpellier's best players from last season already. Standard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Ben Yedder is the one to me that is the, the real pick of the signings they've made because it's Ben Yedder. He'll get goals. Um, well, you'd say Slimani so far. <laughs> Well, yeah, he also has... It's almost the big man, little man thing there, isn't it? Those two. Um, quite intrigued by uh, Augustin and how well he'll do. Um, Onyekuru is actually a, an underrated signing, I think, because he's a very talented player, whether they can get the best out of him. But, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. Zagre was surprising that they picked up from PSG. A late, late move. But... There's um, a French football comedian you can't see me doing the sort of inverted commas i don't think he's very funny who um said about monaco's transfer window if you walk around wearing loads of hats at the same time you look like an idiot and that's what monaco's transfer window is like and i think what you're saying that is that they've bought loads of number nines mm. but haven't really addressed any of their major problems um i'd say the major problem is central midfield and it's putting a hell of a lot of pressure on Bakayoko to immediately get back to his previous Monaco form because I just think there's a huge hole in the middle there I don't think they've particularly sorted out their defence either um, yeah I'd, uh, possibly they'll be fine just by outscoring everyone else but um, Slimani I think blows hot and cold as well Augustin um, has fallen off a cliff or disappeared up his own ass is probably a better better way of putting it. So yeah, I think there's still big issues there. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Any other um Phil, let me come to you on, on sort of any other business. Any other teams that you've looked at and gone, actually yeah, they've done all right. I mean Nice obviously is, is the standout in terms of the fact that this takeover. Are there any other teams you look at and you think actually their business has not been too bad or I, maybe on the other look I'll be honest. The transfer window depresses me. <laughs> um, usually my team is selling many of its best players as we have seen this summer so I kind of try to ignore it as much as possible and then just wait to see who runs out on the field in September and so I I have no idea I don't, no, know. I don't I like, care I like the um, I, I, it'll take me a couple of weeks to work out where everybody is frankly because what you just mentioned Paul Lan earlier I knew he'd gone somewhere but I didn't know where <laughs> there yeah. are always those few transfers that they look at and you go he's gone where one of those that just sort of catches you unaware. I swear to god at some point in November somebody will score a goal I'll be a Jesus is he there yeah yeah because yeah, yeah I don't kind of, I don't follow I'm kind of off the same the same narrative um lads any any from you I mean Johan Kabai going back to St Etienne made me smile a little bit inside because it's just nice um, in terms of other business, anything that, that's really stood out to you, good or bad for, you, for any of the clubs? Maybe um, I think in terms of good, I think considering the departures that they've seen, I think Angers, mm. um, obviously Flavian Tate and Jeff Rayner Adelaide with the, with the big departures from that team. 
But I quite like some of the signings that they've brought in. Um, they sort of picked the best of the rest, if you like, from from Neem in in uh, Sardatiu, uh, Bobby Shaw, and Rashid Alioui. Um, I think they're they're pretty decent signings. They sort of reinvested some of that uh, Rain and Adelaide money relatively well, and certainly early early start of the season. Obviously, that horror show against Lyon aside, they've had a they've had an excellent start to the season. And as you said, when you ran through the table there. They're uh, you know, very much the surprise team in those those early early uh, early table toppers. So I think they've had a they've had a pretty good window. Um, and I will for um, for my own sake, I will point out Wren. Um, some people you you speak to them about Wren's transfer window, and it will be they've not had a good window, or there'll be others that will think, oh, actually they've had a pretty decent window because they have seen. Um, you know, a, a chunk of players leave. Um, you know, Ismail Assar, Ben Sabaini, Thomas Kubek, Benjamin Andre, um, Mexair, although he was already going to be going, um, are all you know sort of first teamers that have that have left in the, in the summer and over the summer. But I really like some of the signings that they've made. Um, you know, Edward Mendy, fantastic goalkeeper. Um, you know, he's already started to to sort of pay dividends. I think Flavian Tate's a pretty solid signing. They've managed to tie up Mbain Yang on a, on a, on a permanent transfer. Uh, yesterday, they completed the signings of, of Jonas Martin from Strasbourg, you know, very solid Liga midfielder with a lot of experience, adds some more, um, uh, adds some more competition in that midfield, perhaps eases some of that pressure on the likes of Camavinga, who I think is probably in need of a rest now. Don't and then take the, 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 the big money signing that they brought in um, and actually their club record signing was, was Rafinha, the, the, um, the, the winger from Sporting, who I'm not going to profess I know a great deal about, but those that do seem to suggest that this is actually a pretty good signing for Ren and um, supposedly saw off competition from the likes of Sevilla and... Um, I think Fiorentina were interested as well. So a little bit of a of a coup for Ren. And then obviously one that, that makes me smile is is the return of Yoris Nyanyong. Um, you know, I I do think he is a really good defender. I don't think he was given a fair crack of it at, at Sevilla. Maybe he also didn't uh, give it his best either, but he's he's back at back at Ren. He looks happy. Um, you know, he's he's looking, you know, really fit in, in the clips from the training. Um, that we see, so I'm hopeful to see him back and playing um, in in that back line. I mean, he'll have to be performing well because the Silver Gelan and, and Jeremy Morel, one of the other summer transfers, um, have performed really well so far this season. So I think, on balance, I think the Ren transfer window has been pretty successful, and I'm I am happy as a Ren fan can be. And are you happy, Jess? With, with with any uh, any business, whether it be at your own club or, or at various clubs across the league, anything that, that stands out for you? Yeah, I'm happy enough with Mess. Um, the one I just wanted to mention, I think Martin has a loss, but I think um, for Strasbourg, keeping hold of Lala, which I feel mm. sorry for him because he clearly wanted to leave and I don't <laughs> know what happened there. I don't know why no one came in for him. But I guess from Strasbourg's point of view, it's good that they've kept him. And I think they've made two 
sort of on the quiet to very, very good signings. I think Alexander Jiku is an excellent defender and Bellegarde had a brilliant um, season last year at Lens. So um, it's a pity that they've been knocked out of Europe, but um, at least it means that, that they won't have that as a distraction. Possibly that's a factor in their in their slow start to the season, maybe like like Wolves in, in England as well. And, and now they can sort of focus on, on the three domestic competitions and hopefully go on to have a good season. Yeah. Yeah, that that was almost like you planned that because that perfectly segues us in, <laughs> into European chat. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we have have gone in quite a lot of depth in, in this week's pod. We do just want to touch on the European draws. You mentioned there just that that Strasbourg did unfortunately uh, crash out to Eintracht Frankfurt, which is a shame because I was quite looking forward to going to see, or would have been looking forward to going to see them play Arsenal. Obviously, that's going to happen now. I mean, I just. The yep. seeding systems are. I get why. I get that Carabag have been in Champions League and things, but to on one side have like Carabag against Linfield, and on the other yeah. side to have Frankfurt against Strasbourg. Yeah. I, think. I thought yeah. so. Yeah, I thought that was a, a very odd one. And yeah, you, you kind of. It sounds a little bit funny to say, you know, a little bit biased as they even keep some of the better sides in, but you kind of do. I mean, there's some sides. No disrespect, but of course, whenever anyone says that, you mean full disrespect, but. Some of these clubs, like, I've literally never heard of them, and I'm just like, really? Uh, can we, can we not just have? I mean, like, like Ostersons. Yeah, and Tottenham and teams like that. <laughs> We're going to get letters, lads. Move. On. <laughs> but but you know what I mean. There's just some teams, and you just think, could we not have a system where there is some sort of uh, pre-league almost to, to get? Through? I mean, I know. But there is there is, there are playoffs. And you get there because some of the Europe, Europa qualifying teams are champions. Mm. And yeah, we can't just say, oh, well, you know, we've heard of Strasbourg. It's a, you know, it's a lovely place to visit for a weekend and, and not care about the other ones. I mean, football is everywhere. This is a UEFA level competition. And also, I, love, I just love the names. When you look at the Europa League qualifying rounds, it's like find your Game of Thrones name. Hmm. There are some absolutely brilliant ones in there. And if they get to play at European level and get on TV in countries who, as you say, have never heard of them, I think that's a good thing. Hmm. Everybody, thing, everybody thing deserves to... football. Come on. One thing to, to note, though, and might be a remedy to, to some of these concerns, is obviously in 2021, we've got this, whatever they want to call it, it's Europa League 2 at the moment. What? That's going to come in in the 2021-22 season. Um, and that, that will reduce the number of teams in the Europa League main, if you like, down to, um, I think, 32 teams. Yeah. So that will take care of some of these concerns. It still gives you European football and an exposure to some teams, whilst also perhaps sort of raising the prestige, shall we say, of Europa League main, as we'll, I'll, I'll call it that. Um, you know, the Europa League 2 is aimed more at the sort of lower-ranked um, lower leagues. Well, then, so there's that, to, there's that to come in in, what is it, two years' time. So it's the mix. I think it's the mix of, you know, two teams you've heard of and two teams where you're looking them up mm. in a but you, but you are it's also fun, But you are also part. asking, you're also asking some teams 
to travel, you know, to a team that is nearer Beijing than most of Europe. If you look and at someone like Asana, has to travel to London instead well, exactly. of playing but somebody if, nearby. You know, the, but but it, if it, if we are looking at Europa League Two as to take care of of providing a European competition for those lesser league teams, it's it, the the majority of those sort of lesser league teams are generally found I in just find more it Eastern bit, European like, areas. It, it feels so, like we're saying Europa League travel only really disadvantages the good teams from the big five leagues. And it's like it probably disadvantages the, as you say, lesser league teams more because they're not going to have the private jet and all of that. Caper. Well, I you think know, it disadvantages it's, it's, all teams. It's it's not good for fans. Which it's not is good why for, it balances out and it's fun to have groups where you have to look people up. I maintain that. I, I was just disappointed that Burger King Hackney didn't make the group stage so <laughs> for me. But but the teams that did make the group stage, um, obviously we're not going to go through all the groups. We're just going to focus on, on the French groups because why not, wouldn't we? Um, we've got the... Uh, Probably the one that, that stands out for me is, is the St Etienne group, which sees them paired with Wolfsburg, uh, Ghent, Belgium, and Olix. What? Um, I don't know. Ren, Ren Celtic Lazio is a Europa League I, I group. Was, yeah. I was slightly fishing there, Rich, so thank you for taking my bait. Oh, I'll let you off then. Uh, but yes, you have uh, nicely, <laughs> nicely said the other group, which um, it does look pretty decent, actually, that one, doesn't it? Uh, the Wren the Celtic games will be fantastic atmospheres. Yes. They, they played each other in Europe a few seasons ago, yeah. and it was a, a, a fantastic atmosphere for, just for be both games. All over the place. Yeah, there's obviously the, the Celtic, rather than the K sound, rather than the, C, the S sound link between the, the two clubs. Um, I think that would be fantastic. Um, it's also slightly uh, bizarre that games. they played each other in a friendly, pre-season friendly, yeah. and Cluj and Celtic have already played each other in a Champions, Champions League playoff. Yeah, I thought that. I looked twice at that. I thought, is that, even, is that even possible? Apparently that is a thing. You can, you can go out in the Champions League and, and then play again in Europa. It's a bit of a strange one, but yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of an odd one, um, but that's that's the Europa League in terms of the sort of the big fish, quote unquote, in the Champions League. PSG have been drawn in Group A with Real Madrid, ah, uh, but also Club Rouge and Galatasaray. I can't see any major issues there unless Falcao has one. Day. I can see a shitload of flares going off at various yeah. locations, but yeah, I, I, weirdly, I actually think PSG might even top that group given where Real Madrid are at the moment. But we shall see on, on that one. But we'd expect them to go through that particular group um, fairly unscathed. Um, the, the Leon group intrigues me, Group G, because that does look like a bit of a bun fight: Benfica, Leon, Leipzig, and Zenit St. Petersburg. Um, I think Leipzig are the ones that are going to pose the biggest threat to Lyon. But Benfica are no mugs. And Zenit are one of those teams that, away from home, awful. But at home, particularly depending on when you play in Russia, that's a tough, that could be a tough group, that one. Um, do we see Lyon coming through that one collectively? Do we think that they'll get through that group all right? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, if you'd have asked me two weeks ago, yeah, they'd have gone through with flying colours. But you ask me now... Mm. I don't know. I think, I think Leon can feel as though that they should be able to. Yeah. Whether whether they actually can, I'm I'm not so sure. But uh, 
Mm. Yeah, one, I'm not so sure on that one. I think that's uh, that's quite a tricky group. Yeah, could be, could be an entertaining group. I will say that much um, in, in terms of that, that group. Um, and uh, Jez, what's your thoughts on Lille's chances, if any? I mean, you look at that group, Ajax, Chelsea and Valencia are paired with... <laughs> I mean, that worries me. <laughs> I yeah. don't have anybody else. What, what worries you, Phil, before I go to Jez? What, Just what worries you? The similar level, I think. Like, in some of the other groups, like you say, PSU got Real Madrid, Galatasaray, Club Bruges. They have different levels. Mm. What concerns me about Group H is that, and Lille, have been weakened a little bit, but whatever. But you look at Ajax, Chelsea and Valencia, those are three names that seem to you to be at reasonably the same level. Mm. And therefore, that this could be an absolute gunfight to to get out. What, what do you think, Jess? Because I think Phil's almost hit the point on the head for me. They're three names, but they're three clubs that are nowhere near settled. I mean, Chelsea are very much in transition. Valencia seem to be having a fight between ownership, manager and players. You know, they're, they're a good side, but there's a lot going on at that club. And I actually have basically sold a lot of their better players, aside from bringing Quincy Promise back. Is there is there an opportunity for Lille here to take advantage of some teams that are not particularly settled? Or, or do you sort of side with the argument of they're going to struggle? Yeah, I think there's an opportunity. I think it's um, a bit like Group G, I think, uh, with Leon's group. I think it's... Rel- relatively level. I think I probably would put Lille a little bit behind the other three, but <coughs> there's, I think there's every reason for Lille to sort of be confident that um, if they play to the best of their ability, they could get through. Ajax have had a lot of top players kind of ripped out of the squad. Chelsea have lost their, uh, um, apparently the player of last year's Europa League, which is a joke, but they've they've lost a very important player and haven't been able to strengthen where they would have liked to. So, yeah, I think um, I wouldn't put money on them necessarily, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Lille did come through that group. Mm. Yeah, yeah, same. I, th- I think overall French clubs, it could have been a lot worse in these draws. Um, I know that's, a, again, a bit of a cliche, but I do think that, that all of them have got a, a swing's chance. Um, not that kind of swing in terms of, of getting through. So we will, we shall see. The um, the group stage games get underway. I want to say two weeks Tuesday. I think. Yes. Seventeenth, eighteenth, yeah. and then the nineteenth for Europa League. There we go. So we will keep you in touch with those games as they go. Obviously, PSG Real Madrid is probably the standout of all of those. So we will uh, we'll, we'll check in on those uh, when they when they come up. Um, okay. So that's that's the groups then. Just before we finish the pod, we will just touch on the national team going into fixtures uh, in the next couple of days. I believe the first one is on, is it on Saturday. Saturday. It is on Saturday. Uh, Rich, you can you can have that one. What's your sort of thoughts on on the the, the squad that Deschamps has named for these two qualifiers, which you kind of expect France to come through fairly unscathed, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, although Albania always seem to cause France a, a little bit of a headache. Um, in terms of the squad, I mean, it, it was pretty much as expected. I think there was probably two initial surprises when the squad was first announced in, in terms of Laporte finally got his caller. Um, and, and perhaps the biggest surprise of them all was Jonathan Ikone. 
yeah. uh, making the move up from from the under twenty ones and uh, a pretty underrated but very successful season with Lille last season. And I I have quite liked that that as a as a selection. Uh, I know there'll be plenty of others um, crying out for other players who who may or may not be playing in red in North London, but mm. I quite like the fact that. You know, Deschamps willing to to look at Ligue 1 and 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 reward players who play really well. Um, unfortunately, then for Laporte, he then suffered an injury, um, which is just as soon as he got in the team, he's then had to withdraw. Uh, Samuel Umtiti then was the player that initially was was not included for for Laporte's inclusion. He's then been brought back into the team, and then a couple of days ago, Pogba withdrew, and. You know, to time quite nicely with a, a really good performance at the weekend, Matteo Guendouzi was uh, was rewarded with a call up. Um, he's obviously been playing with the under twenty ones. Uh, he's now going to have uh, an opportunity to to play with the senior team, as we have seen with his career since he moved to Arsenal. Doesn't ever seem to let anything phase him. Takes everything in his stride. So I think he'll be relishing this opportunity. Um, and you know, it's it's a chance to sort of start to see some of that generation now move into into the senior into the senior side. So I'm I'm hopeful that he gets game time, and I'm hopeful that he he takes those uh, those opportunities because you look at some of those other players in midfield, and there's a big opportunity that if he can take these chances, he could be in in the senior side for 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 many years to come. Yeah, yeah, agreed, and and. What would you do in these fixtures? They're both home fixtures. Albania is on the Saturday and Andorra is on the Tuesday. The, the next two after that, Iceland and, and Turkey, are probably too, too stiff a test, particularly away in Iceland. What would you do in these fixtures? Would you give an opportunity to some of those less heralded players yourself? No, not really. <laughs> I mean, maybe against... <laughs> Did you say it was Albania first? Yeah, Saturday is Albania, then Andorra after that, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, there, there's a couple of not very serious injuries, but injuries to sort of very important players there. Against Albania, I wouldn't muck around at all. As Rich said, they're, they're a little bit of a potential bogey team. Um, and it's just, it's impo- you know, with that Turkey defeat, it's important just to make sure they get the points on the board. If that, you know, if that goes well and, and depending on other results, yeah, blood a couple of players if you want against Andorra, but certainly for the first match, no mucking around at all. Yeah, yeah. On Laporte, by the way, I felt really sorry for him until I saw the foul that got him injured. It serves him bloody well right. Yeah, agreed. Agreed on that one. <laughs> but he, he has been called up before, hasn't he, to squads? Yeah. Has he not played? He hasn't played, played but right. he's been called up to the yeah. squad. Yeah. Were any of those players particularly excite you, Phil, in terms of players that might get a chance? I mean, I, I would be quite I mean, the thing is, Jess has just said, don't mess around in the first game. And... I think we all feel fairly reassured that Didier Deschamps won't mess around, so that's good. I just hope he does mess around to a certain degree in the Andorra game to, you know, change things up a bit, try something else. But yeah, yeah. just give give people. Didier is as Didier does. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, and we will cover those um, in a little bit more depth uh, after the podcast. Um, Phil, you and I are away 
Uh, yes. Not together, we should stress. Um, international the- break. International break, yeah. We'll I'm, leave- going, I'm going to Greece and I'm attempting to find out if anyone's playing in Athens when I'm there. Where are you going? I'm going to Malta and I've timed it really badly because their fixtures are both away. So ah. that was good, wasn't it? Um, and annoyingly, they're playing Sweden, um, who are a team I've followed since USA 94. So I'm particularly gutted because that's away. So I've timed that really badly. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I won't care when I'm sat on a beach, let's be honest. So, um, But yeah, so we're, we're both away. Uh, I think Rich is going to have a look into seeing if there is any possibility. Technology to... permitting, mm. we might be, oh, we, we might have a podcast next oh, week. Oh god! Um, <laughs> yeah, I will. I will leave the lads a step-by-step guide of how to upload a file. Uh, we just need to work out if they can work out how to make the file in the first place. So I we'll know. we'll see how we go. I hope um, you can do because I'd think like to... positively, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, if you can make it happen, that would be good because it would be nice to listen to your dulcet tones while I'm away sunning myself. So, um, so yeah, all being well, uh, we'll have something up for you for you next week. Um, if we don't, and if it is a bit of a logistical nightmare, we'll be back in, in a fortnight's time. Um, there's an out shot, outside shot of, of a late Thursday pod in two weeks, but probably realistically two weeks' time. So, uh, yeah, if you have got anything pressing that you want to run by us, then um, please do via the <coughs> methods. Um, but if not, we'll be, we'll be back in a fortnight's time. Well, can I just finish with a little explanation for some of our fans on a wider issue? You may, yes. Yeah, because I'm sure a lot of you who follow Ligue 1 French football have been seeing a lot of talk about homophobic banners and matches being stopped and and a lot of uh, stuff about this and i i don't know if we have any form of parental guidance thing on uh soundcloud but this could get a bit sweary just (laughs) stick with me we've got a situation where the league has said it is cracking down on homophobia which i am fully behind that as a principle the problem is defining terms now this kind of whole situation kicked off with i believe it was nancy versus le mans in league Deux about four weeks ago and everybody's talking about this chant la ligue la ligue en tant que which basically means go fuck yourself the league go fuck yourself that actually wasn't the chant that had the game stopped the chant that had the game stopped was uh, I believe, uh, Jez, we found this between ourselves. Um, les Messins sont des pédés. Mets fans are faggots. Now, that to me is unarguably homophobic. And the match was stopped, and then they started with go fuck yourselves, the league. But the thing is, everybody's writing about the go fuck yourself chant as being the homophobic one, which to me, Brian, it isn't. It's not nice. You wouldn't want your kid to hear it if they're at the match with you, but it's not actually homophobic. It's just crass. Whereas now we've got a reaction from the fans who were reacting against the league's action in stopping games and calling things homophobic. And now we're into a weird situation because the Nice match at home against OM 
there were some grossly homophobic banners put up there and there was another stoppage and they were making fun of the word gay they were saying om uh, a gay they were making jokes about cycling and, and pedophilia and it was just nasty but what we've also seen is that some banners have been deemed to be homophobic when they aren't questioning this policy for example at ol they had banners up saying uh so homophobia is only a problem if if there aren't petrodollars involved talking about the qatar influence potentially and others in in football so what we've got here is a situation where the league is ostensibly trying to do something positive by dealing with homophobia but he's so tin-eared that he can't define homophobia properly and has actually ended up chucking gay people under the bus to to my mind support their uh, continuing crackdown on fans uh, you'll see there are not many traveling fans in Ligue 1 that's because it's too big a fucking bother they get stuck in car parks for eight hours in the rain with no facilities it's it's not a welcoming place for a traveling fan if you're going to go in the cage if you're going to go in the away end and while i am a hundred percent for cracking down on homophobia in football becomes a point where you have to say some of this shit is not homophobic and I know there is a big problem with straight people, for example, seeking to define what is or what is not homophobic. A bit like when people def defend Boris Johnson using the word pickaninnies by saying, that's not racist. Those people can fuck off. Frankly, we've got a situation here where homophobia has resulted from the league's action because they haven't defined their terms and they don't seem to know what it means. And this is not cool. It's going to continue for ages and it's going to be an absolute shitstorm every weekend until I don't know when. So the explanation basically is there's a lot of talk about it. If somebody says, here are photos of a homophobic banner at X, look at the banner and ask someone who speaks French what it actually says. Don't just believe it is homophobic because the Leon banners weren't. The Nice banners were and they were both characterized in the same way on social media by the English speaking media. So there we go. Rant over. I'm on holiday next two weeks. Point to make. <laughs> Jez, you are um, you're, you're doing a little piece um, which is for a different site, but um, that will be. I, I assume you'll tweet about that when it's up, just on the same sort of same regard of, of, of topic, shall we say? Possibly um, with less swearing. <laughs> well, possibly with more swearing. Because, oh, well, just trying to define a particular word. Mm. <laughs> Oh um, no, speak to me, sweetie. I've heard all of them. <clears throat> any, any idea roughly when that might be up to read, Jess? Probably tomorrow or Thursday. Okay, good stuff. Well, you can, um, if you look up Jez on Twitter, um, I'm sure links will be will be there to have a read. So do give that a look. And 
obviously in the, the current climate where English football as well is being highlighted for um, sort of racist abuse in particular, as is the Italian game after, after the weekend's events in Cagliari. Um, it's just a little nudge to say that we're all responsible for our own actions, um, whether we mean stuff or we don't maybe think before opening your mouth, <coughs> Graham Seamus. But uh, we will draw a close to the podcast this week. Um, no, football for everyone. Come yeah, on. Absolutely. Um, whether you're on holiday for two weeks, as me and Phil are, or if you're not, uh, please do enjoy your football, and whether that be international or indeed non-league, because that carries on while the internationals are on their way. Uh, keep things French, and keep following your teams, of course, and uh, send us your, your bits and bobs on Twitter if you've got any questions. As I say, no promises, but hopefully we'll have a pod for you next week. If not, we'll be back in two weeks. It just remains for me to thank my uh, colleagues. So thank you to Phil. Thank you. Thank you to Rich. Thank you very much. And thank you to Jez. Thank you. As I say, enjoy your French football or wherever you find football for two weeks. And we will speak to you very soon.